In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God for me. Let us read some verses from John chapter 16, starting from verse 20. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Glory be to God forever. Amen. We'll speak today about joy and what actually will take the joy away from our heart and how lacking of joy or the loss of joy can actually influence our zeal in the ministry. Let me start by saying some facts about joy. The first fact, joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If I am not full with the Holy Spirit, then I will not have joy. Being full, filled with the Holy Spirit means you are life, you are living the life of repentance and the life of holiness. Means I am always, always living the life of repentance because sin takes away joy from the heart. But a person who is living the life of repentance, he will be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will not be grieved in this person. He will not be resisting the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will not be quenched in this person. If the Holy Spirit is quenched, then the person cannot be joyful. In the same way, not only living the life of repentance, but living the life of holiness, striving all the time to live a holy life. The virtues and the commandments are my goals, and I am every day trying and striving to grow in this virtue, whether virtue of love, virtue of humbleness, virtue of forgiveness, virtue of endurance, virtue of forbearance, etc. Another fact about joy is without trusting God and without having true faith in Him, we will not have joy, especially when we go through difficult time or when we go through trials. If we don't trust God, enough and if we don't trust that everything actually 
will work out for our benefit. As St. Paul said, everything will work out for good for those who love God. So many times we lose our joy because lack of trust, lack of confidence, and we questioning God, why you allow this to happen? For example, if there is a trial of illness, if there is a trial of uh, conflict, anything, the person may lose the trust in God, and here he will lose his joy. But when we accept trials and tribulations in our life, trusting God that he will work everything out for good, then actually the person will be joyful in his life. The third fact about joy is the fruit of contentment. If you think about the difference between a happy person and an unhappy person, the happy person is content. He is content with what he had. Again, it's trust in God. I trust that God will do the best for me. If you don't accept what you have, you will not be happy. Contentment is the source of happiness. As St. Paul said, in everything, I learned to be content. And as St. Paul said, I learned or I trained myself. So it needs a training. The person who is actually living the life of thanksgiving and grateful to God and blessing God for what he has, he will be happy, joyful. But lack of contentment will not make you happy. Also, another fact about joy, joy is the fruit of not being overly sensitive. Some people are overly sensitive. If somebody makes comment to them, they get disturbed and they lose their joy and they can be in this state for few days or few weeks. And this hypersensitivity means my ego is high. Because any comment, any negative comment is hurting my ego. And because of this, the person loses his joy and become upset and disappointed for a very long time. We should expect some negative comments will be said to us. If you allow these negative comments to take your joy away from you, then your ego and your pride is high. And you you need to work on self-denial, how to deny yourself. All the apostles, and until right now, the leaders in the church are exposed to very, very negative comments. And as we accept praise that we don't deserve, it's okay to accept some negative comments that you don't deserve. But this hypersensitivity, and sometimes 
I justify it and I say, it's not about me. Stop going and examine yourself. It's your ego, your pride. That's why you are disappointed and become hurtful. Don't allow them to take your joy away from you. Mother Sarah in the paradise of the fathers, she has a wonderful saying. She said, don't let your peace in the mouth of others. Don't let your peace, peace or joy in the mouth of others. Mean, somebody says good comment about me, I'll be happy, peaceful. Somebody makes a negative comment about me, I lose my peace. What is this? Are you letting your peace in the mouth of others? And the fact is my ego and my pride. Another fact about joy, joy is a fruit of flexibility and adaptation, lack of grumbling. What do I mean by this? Some people, for example, and because lack of adaptability and lack of flexibility, they struggle for a very, very long time. Some people, after so many years, they still struggling because lack of flexibility and lack of adaptability. You should know, as in immigration, your life will be changed. If you move from one job to another job, your life will be changed. Person, when he is not married and is getting married, his life will be changed. With the birth of any children, of your children, your life will be changed. When your children are graduating and leaving your home, your life will be changed. So the fact is, with any change in our life, our life will be changed. And we accept all these changes. When we immigrate, it's okay. When we get married, it's okay. When we have children, it's okay. And we adapt to all these changes. And you have to endure people. And you have to live life of humbleness. So lack of flexibility and lack of adaptability is a reason of uh, not having joy in our life. Another reason or another fact about joy, fact that the joy is the fruit of our relation of having peace with God having peace with ourselves, and having peace with others. What do I mean by this? For example, if you don't have peace with others, and you get into power struggle with the people, you will not have peace, and you will not have joy. And this can completely take your joy away from your heart. And you should know and we should learn how to deal wisely and not allow these things actually take joy from our heart. If you have conflict with your wife or with your children in your house, this will take actually the joy away from you. If you have, if you have a conflict with your family 
or the family of your wife, you will not have joy in your life. And so on. So you need to have peace with others. Also, peace with God and peace with yourself. You need to accept yourself. There are three things in, in having peace with yourself. Number one is to know yourself. Number two is to accept yourself with its weakness and with its strength. And number three, to improve yourself. Know, accept, improve. If we don't have peace with ourselves, if I don't like my personality, then actually, if I'm not accepting my personality, I will not have joy in my life. And I will be troubled all my life. How to accept yourself? No, accept and improve. And in the same way, peace with God. If you are not accepting what God allowed you to have, then you will not have joy in your heart. And the last fact about uh, joy, expectation. Joy can be lost if I have unmet expectation. So think about what your expectation. So what's your expectation? Materialist expectation, financial expectation, psychological expectation, emotional expectation, etc. Do you have a godly expectation or not? If we have ungodly expectation, then we'll not be joyful. And we'll be fighting all the time to meet this expectation. And if we don't get this expectation, then we will not be joyful and will be regretting. Or just maybe I am missing my friends and I'm missing my family. I moved from one city to another city. So I'm missing the old city. Then actually I am dreaming of how to be transferred to my original city. If I am living with this dream or with this expectation, how I'll be relocated, how I will be transferred. And this expectation is not met, then you'll be unhappy, unjoyful. And definitely, if you are not happy, your zeal will be gone. As we read in Nehemiah chapter 8, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if you are not joyful, then you are not powerful. You have no strength. You have no zeal. I mentioned seven facts about joy. I will repeat them. Joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, a person who is living the life of repentance and holiness. Joy is the fruit of trusting God especially when it comes to trials and tribulation. Joy is the fruit of contentment. I am content with what God gives me. Joy 
is the fruit of humbleness and self-denial, not being oversensitive and hypersensitive. Joy is the fruit of flexibility and adaptability. I, I, I am adapting myself quickly and flexible with a new change in my life. Joy is the fruit of peace with God, with others, and with myself. And finally, joy is the fruit of having godly expectation. Because if you have ungodly expectation, and this expectation is not met, you will not have joy. I'll speak about what are the main reasons that take joy away from my heart. And some of the reasons are the opposite of these seven facts. But just I will elaborate about some other reasons. Number one, conflict. If I have conflict in my house, with my spouse, with my children, definitely I will not have joy. And so on. Also, if conflict with people outside my family or my house or my church, definitely any conflict will take away the joy. Besides having conflict, this means Satan is dwelling in my life. St. Paul said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath and don't give the devil place. Meaning, if I let my disappointment or the conflict goes more than one day after the sunset, I am letting the devil to have place in my life. And if God is the source of joy, devil actually is the source of sorrow and lack of joy. That's why a wise resolve any conflict, any conflict, in the same day, and clarify his heart completely from any grudges. I see carry grudges for so many years, not for weeks or months. And you see, what, what happened to this? He was joyful, he was happy, but after a few years, he's completely different personality. What, what happened to him? What, what happened to him? He allowed conflict grudges to enter his heart. He, he's allowed many, many little foxes to dwell in his heart. And that's why his personality is changing to worse. And you say, what happened? He was completely the opposite. What happened to him? Yes, he allowed things to enter his heart and to erode the joy from his heart. Another reason is diabolic warfare. As the scripture says, struck the shepherd and all the sheep will be scattered. And we should be aware of this warfare. Because 
if he is successful in dividing the, the, the leaders, then the church will be the, the, divided. And once the church is divided, it will be desolate. A kingdom divided against itself will be brought into desolation. But Satan usually uses magnifier lens and make this small conflict very, very huge in order to make us lose our joy. Conflict with one of the people, conflict with, you know, this conflict will take the joy and definitely uh, your heart will be changed and your personality will be changed. Please be aware of Satan and the diabolic war. Satan will plant an idea in your mind, just an idea. And you think about it, and then you start losing your job. Another reason, trials and tribulations. For example, illness. Illness, if I'm not accepting illness from God, as St. Paul said, I rejoice in my infirmities, that the grace of God may dwell upon me, because when I am weak, I am strong. Satan tried to attack St. Paul in his health. St. Paul knew very well that this thorn in the flesh is from Satan. He said, Satan attacked me. So he knew this from Satan. And when he prayed to God, God told him, no, I will not heal you. Although it's from Satan. But God told him, but I will give you my grace. And your grace will be sufficient. So he accepted the illness. Not he accepted. He said, I rejoice in my infirmities, that the grace of God may dwell upon me. When I am strong, when I am weak, I am strong. Also, another thing that takes the joy is the unfairness. When you feel that the feeling of unfairness actually takes the joy from the heart. But if we know that in Christianity, God is asking us to train ourselves to accept unfairness in our life. For example, when the Lord told us, if one compels you to walk one mile, walk two miles. Is it fair or unfair? If you think about it, it's unfair. I'm compelled to walk one mile. Why I walk the second mile? If one wants to take your cloak, leave the garment for him. Is it fair? It's not fair. If one slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other cheek. Is it fair? No, it is not fair. Many times when the thought of unfairness occupy my mind, I will lose my joy because why they are dealing with me this way? It is unfair. And here, if I start, I compare myself to 
brother family this actually will take the joy but if I trained myself as the Bible is asking us to accept unfairness then I will not, not nothing nothing will take my joy away from me and we should know that here on earth there is no fairness in the story of ladders and uh, and the rich man look at it from earthly perspective is it fair no it's unfair but this unfairness is corrected in heaven as we know what happened to the to ladders and to the rich man I don't want anyone to misinterpret my word if you are in a position of leadership it's okay to treat others unfairly for example if I'm a bishop uh, it's okay to treat you unfairly I'm not saying this but I'm saying if you are treated unfairly accept it those who are treating you unfairly God will judge them but for you accept it joyfully don't let this take your joy away from you. Don't let anything take your joy joy away from you. So training ourselves to accept the unfairness and don't let the thought, no, it's not fair. Sometimes this thought, when it overwhelms our mind or our uh, life, it completely takes the joy from our life. Another thing is the worries of life. What do I mean worries of life? Children. Uh, if our children, for example, lost their way, definitely this will bring sorrow to the heart of the parent. And, and many times, actually, I, I think about it and I say, God be with the parents when their children actually lose their ways. I'm speaking about the spiritual way mainly. But definitely if they are not academically successful, if they are struggling in their school, they are being bullied by others, etc. Children and their words are a lot. And here I'm not denying your right to be sorrowful. But at the end, sorrow uh, in a negative way will not help you. So you need actually to trust God. And like Monica, put this in prayer before God. Prayer, fasting. And then think about what you need to do. What are the positive things that you need to do? And don't get defensive. Many times, when we try to bring a style in parenting, that actually, maybe it's the reason behind why your children are acting this way, many times we become very defensive. And we are not accepting that we are the reasons behind it. 
or even if I accept I am the reason, then I will fall into this self-blame. I blame myself, and I hate myself, and I hate why I did this mistake that caused my son or my daughter to drift away, etc., etc. So either you accept that you are part of the reasons, or you don't accept. You need to deal with it in a godly way. What you need to do to help your son or to help your daughter. And ask God to give you grace and trust him that as he was able to transform many people, St. Paul, from being persecutor of the church to be a great apostle, St. Moses, the Black, St. Mary of Egypt, etc., etc. God can work with your children. So I know your heart will be grieving, and this is acceptable. But don't let the grief take your joy. Yes, definitely you will be grieving, but trusting God and trusting that one day he will bring your son or your daughter back and doing what you need to do will give you, although you will be grieving, but you will have joy or peace in your heart from trusting God that one day your son, your daughter will be back. But definitely this can take joy away from our heart. But this is a godly sorrow. I want to differentiate between godly sorrow and ungodly sorrow. But I want to tell you a fact about godly sorrow. Usually godly sorrow does not take joy from the heart. Because while I'm sorrowful, I'm trusting God that he will shine in the world and will transform people and will change their hearts. God actually will do more than what expect to bring any person back to him again. So while we are seeing the weaknesses of others and the sinfulness in the life of others, although we are grieving, but again, don't let this grief and sorrow take your zeal away from you. This actually should make you pray more, fast more. Also, you need to think what I am called to do and see what the Lord, how the Lord dealt, how the apostles dealt with such a situation and learn from them and do what you need to do. But if you allow yourself to lose your zeal in ministry and then you are um, not able to serve, then you allow this sorrow and grief to paralyze you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So when we lose our joy, or when allow Satan to take the joy away from our hearts, then actually we will lose our zeal. There is a beautiful verse in Hebrews chapter 12, when he said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, 
the word joy said before him means it is not present right now. But he is looking for this joy. Looking for this joy made him what? Endured who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. And there is the outcome, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So every time you are discouraged or weary, look at him, consider him. Consider the Lord Jesus Christ. How? By looking for the joy that was set before him. He despised the shame, he endured the cross, he endured such hostility from sinners against himself. And in the passage that we read in the beginning, the Lord gave us a very beautiful example about a woman in labor. In labor, she is crying. It's painful. But she is looking for the joy, having a child. I, I saw many times when I was practicing medicine, women during labor, they are crying and they have tears in, her, in their eyes, but at the same time they are smiling when after they see the baby. So both, there, are, there is tears in the eyes, but there is a smile on the face. You know, yes, maybe we'll go through a difficult time. Maybe we need to endure hostility, endure shame, endure suffering. But look to the joy that was set before you. And this joy actually will encourage you lest you become weary and discouraged in your sins. I like in a few minutes to speak a little bit about zeal, since we are speaking about the lack of zeal, lack of joy that bring lack of zeal. There is a verse in Romans chapter 10 that's very important to know. Verse 2, Romans 10, 2. He said, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. So they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Not according to knowledge. So I like to speak about different types of zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Also, I like to speak about zeal that's not for God, but it's a zeal. Some of us actually, although we are not sorrowful, we are not grieving, but our zeal is zero. I call it the minimum requirement ministry. I perceive myself having a job. So I'm just meeting the minimum requirement. And actually, if I can skip something, it will be good. This minimum requirement ministry is not right. Another type of zeal 
zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, is zeal for wrong faith principles or dogmatic principles. Like Saul, before his conversion, he thought that persecuting Christian is zeal from God, for God. People who persecute Christian and kill Christian, they say they do it for God. In our time, I'm sure you are aware about different schools in understanding the economy of salvation. And some, sometimes this zeal actually, when it go in the wrong direction and overwhelm my mind, it can cause division in the church. So I need actually to consider, reconsider this zeal. Is it edifying the church or splitting the church? And yes, we need to be defender of faith. But I need to examine my beliefs and the sources of my belief before I fight for certain uh, principles in faith. Another zeal for God, but not according to the knowledge, is zeal for construction and projects. Just making projects, building this church, after the church, building a service building, after service building, building a gym, after gym, building, you know. So project after project after project after project after project, and that's all his life. And do you, do you use this building? I know people have, for example, service building, and it's closed six days a week. So all your time and your effort, your effort to build this beautiful service building just to be used for one hour for Sunday school on Sunday, and that's it. Definitely we need to have buildings. I'm not against this. But don't consume your time. St. Paul said, God did not send me to baptize, but to preach. So even, he said, baptism, they can done by the deacons at that time. But my calling is to preach. If I spend all my time baptizing, then who will preach? Another zeal, zeal for activities. So just, I, I do many activities, but the, the spiritual goal is not there. I want to do basketball tournament, football tournament, soccer tournament, trips. I will do trip to Europe, trip to Asia, trip to Italy. You know, so all my times I'm thinking about projects, so about activities and trips. Okay, what is the goal? Are you bringing the people in, in the tournament with their basketball? Are you bringing them to Christ or not? So you'll find many, many, many activities. It's like the fig tree that has many, many, many leaves, but there is no fruit. 
So before thinking about activity, for thinking I want to do basketball tournament, I want to do uh, soccer tournament, think about it. How can I make it spiritual? And at the end, how to bring people to God through this activity? Sometimes we send our children to trip or one day activity or scout or whatever. Yes, I, I see scouts activity very, very beautiful. But are you bringing them to Christ? Is the good is the activity itself? I, I, I see some people who are involved in these activities. They are completely away from God. And some leaders, I know a leader who was actually very, very active in activity. And this leader actually is completely against the church and completely against God. What, what is the point here? Is this a true zeal or zeal in the wrong way? And when we want to correct it, no, there is resistance to correct how to make these activities targeting with a goal, with a spiritual goal. Another zeal, zeal for uh, technology. So, waste all his time making programs on the internet, making applications, making whatever. So, all the time he's designing the service, and he's sitting in front of his computer and wasting his time. I'm using the word wasting his time behind the screen, doing all many projects and application and classification and and so you need actually to think about what are you doing is right or not. Again, technology and uh, electronics can be done with lay people. You can assign people to do this. You can give them guidelines. Another zeal, it is zeal for my family. What do I mean zeal my family? Definitely, you need to take care of your family. I'm not speaking a person care of his family. No, don't speak about this. Because you should take care of your family. But I'm, I'm speaking about a person who actually is not paying attention to the ministry and is spending most of the time, most of the time, with his family. And his ministry is less than the minimum required. Less than the minimum required. The last point about wrong zeal, when actually we make parties in the church, like uh, in the book of Numbers, chapter 11 and verse 29, let's start from verse 26. But two men had remained in the camp. The, the name of one was Ildad, and the name of the other Midad. And the Spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle. Yet they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Ildad and Midad are prophesying in the camp. 
So Joshua, son of Nun, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said to him, Are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that the Lord's people were prophets, and the Lord, that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. So here Joshua was zealous for his master, for his father, Moses. And he was very, very disappointed when Eldad and Medad were prophesying in the camp. And he went to Moses and told him, Forbid them. Moses, my Lord, forbid them. So Moses told him, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord will put his spirit upon them. So sometimes we have, you know, uh, I'm supporting this father versus his father. Uh, and without mentioning names, I'm sure uh, yani, so, some people actually supporting some fathers who passed away and against another father. And whatever this father says, whether it is right or wrong, I support his teaching and I support his principles. Whether there is no discernment, just like the zeal of Joshua, Moses, disciple. So how I let my zeal to continue? Number one, the love of God. If I truly love God, I will be joyful and my zeal will be fire. Number two, love of people. Heaven rejoices with the returning of one soul. So when we love the people, actually my zeal will be fire all the time. Number three, I should know the value of the human soul. You are purchased not with silver or gold or precious stone, but by blood of Christ. So if one person is lost, I should have zeal. I should not sleep. I should be going, looking for this soul. And the importance of saving the souls. Uh, I cannot say like Cain, am I my brother uh, uh, guardian or keeper? Sometimes they say, okay, another group. Okay. I Later on, I'm not my brother keeper. This attitude is not attitude of a father. A father actually should not be able to sleep if one of his children is lost. We need to rejoice in the Lord. It's a commandment. So we should not wait until joy comes to my heart. No. I need to be joyful. It's a commandment. I need to be actively joyful. Actively removing the reasons of sorrow in my heart. And I need actually to see what are the reasons that make me unjoyful. What are the reasons that take the zeal away from my heart? And I need to fight these reasons. And I need to cling to the Lord. And I need to make a decision 
that I will be joyful regardless. I am the son of God. And he told me that no one will be able to take your joy away from me. So if I'm clinging to the Lord, no one will take the joy away from me. And I need to have a support system from my priests, from the bishop, from godly people. This support system will help me to be able to cope with the challenges and to be joyful. Losing your zeal and grieving over whatever reason will not be helpful. But what will be helpful is to decide to let no one take the joy away from me. It's a commandment. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say again, rejoice. It's a commandment. It's a commandment means you need actively to rejoice. Some people, they wait until joy comes. No. Actively, you need to rejoice in the Lord. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.